program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness podcast. Share your hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Stephen Ross. Thank you for being on, Stephen. Thank you for having me. (laughs) He's like, what? (laughs) What do I say right now? Is this your first time being on a podcast? Because I'm I'm friends with your wife, but yeah, no, it's not. It's not the first time I've been on the podcast. I've okay. in a business setting. I've done a few different podcasts over the years. Awesome, awesome. So, so because I know your wife, should we start with how did you meet your wife? Uh, great. Yeah, we can start there. That's fine. Sure. That we can go it's anywhere you want. This is this yeah. is your time. Well, to share your hotness, which men. May not always be comfortable sharing their hotness, but it's just yeah. your story of who you are and how you became you. Yeah, no, we can start start there. It does really kind of lead into the, you know, kind of a, a lot of who I am, right? I mean, in in the sense that, uh, you know, I I didn't get married. I didn't get married till I was twenty eight, and uh, so I was a little bit older in our in the culture, the Utah <laughs> culture, anyway. Yeah. Right? I and, laugh because um, that's like the perfect age to get married if you're outside of Utah or Oklahoma or the South. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, now that I live in the South, I, you know, it, uh, it, it's not a big deal. But so 28, get married at 28. And, um, and I guess that doesn't really is kind of irrelevant in the whole scheme of things as far as the story goes. But I was living in Provo, Utah. And I walked into church one day, and I just had this overwhelming feeling that I needed to get out of there. That it, not the church, but out of Provo, right? <laughs> I didn't, um, I didn't take it that way. But if that's yeah. worth going, let's have that story <laughs> yeah. too, right? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, and so it was kind of this thing where I was already in the career. I was, you know, building a business and things, and so I could really live wherever I wanted. And I just had this. And I even had a friend who he lived in like Cottonwood Heights offered that I could live with him for free and things like that. But uh, but for whatever reason, Draper, Utah was the where I felt like I needed to be. And it's it's interesting what you know, I could go into more detail. But bottom line is, is that um, my my wife, Carrie, had just gotten divorced and moved in back home with her mom. And I ended up moving in a house just a few houses down within like a month of all that happening. And she's right? tall. So I'm yeah. sure the first time she walked in, you were like, look at that tall drink of water. And not that yeah. you're a short man, but I'm yeah. sure you were like, you know, because tall women are noticeable for good or for bad, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's 6'3", I'm 6'5". It's like perfect, yeah. perfect match there. And you so. were just like, because I've always been a little bit irritated when as I'm only five, nine compared to your wife being six, two, but it always irritated me when I'd have guys that were like five, six asking me out. And then I would see a girl who's like five, four engaged to a guy who's six, five. I'd be like, 
you were you were hogging the hype and that's not going to work out you know you're going to have one kid who can play basketball and the other one that can't so it's just not right (laughs) it's true it's true it happens all the time you know sean bradley you know was seven six and his wife was five three so yeah (laughs) it was if i were still in the market i would have been totally mad at that but yeah um isn't didn't he just get hurt in an accident he's in a wheelchair I think so. Yeah. He, he yeah. had a bike accident and super sad, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was a so. cycling accident, not a motorcycle accident. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah I yeah, think yeah. that's why it registered to me. Cause I'm not really a sports person. I hope we can <laughs> yeah. still have our conversation or you're, I assume you're yeah. into sports. Yeah. We're, we're good. We're good. Yeah. It's not, but, um, it's not, it's not the thing that defines me is my sports addictions, right? In fact, <laughs> I don't really, I feel like I don't really have any sports addictions necessarily. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm making this stereotypical comment about men. You could be like, don't yeah. define me by my sex. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my husband's a cyclist. So that's why I'm like, Rrr, you know, when yeah. I hear about yeah. people getting hurt and, and things like that. Speaking of getting hurt, I have a memory of you having a pretty good little accident yeah, it's actually, you know, it's actually is a defining moment uh, in my life. And I, I oh, good. I, yeah. I uncovered a defining moment. Let's go yeah. into Yeah. So, so to kind of, I mean, to start maybe that story is, uh, well, I cut my, I got, I cut my fingers off or some fingers off on my, on my left hand because I got of a table saw right in my garage. And um, that that event unfolded a lot of things for me that I'd really been uh, working on myself for a lot of years that helped me realize that all this this work that I was doing was actually paid off. Right. And actually was worth it, you know, but because up to that point, I probably I I don't know that I really believed that that all this work that I'd done for myself emotionally, mentally, all this kind of stuff really was doing anything. I was about to say, what kind of work? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, you know, just so and that's so uh, rewind, you know, a decade or two, well, more almost 20 years before that. um, I had suffered from anxiety and didn't really know that I was. And uh, we didn't talk about it as much then. Yeah. yeah, I I just it just was the way I was just the way I was. And I didn't know anything different. And I didn't even had no idea. And so. Like one, one day I was, I was in college, I was in my, you know, I think I was like 22. I was in college. I was sitting there watching the show in my apartment and it said, Hey, if you have, you know, if you suffer from any of these four things, you're probably depressed. Right. And I was like, Oh, well, interesting. So I listened to the first one. Well, uh, Hey, I have that. And then listen to the next one. Hey, I have that. And then I had all four, all four of them applied to me. And I was like, and it was the first time in my life I was like, oh, huh. well maybe I maybe I'm depressed. Maybe maybe there's something here, you know, that that I need to work on. That the, you know, whatever. So, so that and, couldn't have been comfortable having TV diagnose you. Oh no, it was <laughs> well. I don't know if it was really a comfort or uncomfort thing. It was just like it was a light bulb thing. It was like, oh, right. oh, okay, that, okay, that makes sense. You know, that gives me some clarity or understanding of why I'm feeling the way I feel, you know, and uh, type of a thing. So um, it actually brought a lot of perspective to me to understand, okay, that's what it is. It's not just the way it always it has to be. There's an actual something I can work on here and change it instead of it just being who I am type of a thing. Right. Right. Okay. And, and, and so it was actually was a really enlightening 
thing. And my immediate thing was, oh, well, I need to get some medication. So I went and saw some, you know, psychiatrist, got some medication, you know, didn't it and didn't really do anything. Right. And so then that started my quest of like, of, okay, why do I do what I do? Where does this come from? How do I beat it? Read a book, reading books, you know, digesting all this self-help stuff to really, okay, hey, I just had this resolve that I'm going to beat this. Like, this isn't, this isn't who I am, and this isn't my life. I'm going to beat this. Well, I love and, that your reaction to, okay, I have a diagnosis now. Um, this is something that I could decide to just give into and go around being like, it's just the way I am. You just have to accept it, which we all know people like that, right? To going, wait, I, this is now, as I say, life giving you your homework. So yeah. I love that that's what you did is you leaned into the gift of learning. Yeah, and I really did. I mean, I've, I mean over the years, I've probably read a couple hundred books, right, on, on different aspects of mental, mental illness and health and anxiety and depression and, you know, you know, mindset and whatever else and all that kind of stuff. I've even went to the I even went to the extent of paying tens of thousands of dollars to be certified in in mental programming and, and training and and hypnotherapy and lifetime timeline therapy and these different types of things because I became because uh, I became obsessed in a way of trying to figure out why I do what I do and why I feel the way I feel. Right. Love and, it. And, yeah. And so there's there. That's the work. That's the process of this moment. When I cut my hand, my fingers off, this the culmination of a lot of this, a lot of this effort. Right. I mean, there was times, times when I, I, I had so much anxiety that like, for whatever reason, as soon as the sun started coming up, I started getting sick to my stomach. Mm, right. Wow. And it, yeah. and it wasn't and it wasn't until it wasn't until I actually threw got up and threw up <laughs> that I really was able to move forward with the day. Wow. Wow. Right. But I, mean, I that's, I'm that, loving because I know there are so many people listening to our one on one conversation that are like, right. And they don't see you. You're like you already said you're six five. Right. Yeah. You got the beard. You're you're wearing um could be a flannel shirt, but I realize it's a cotton, right? Yeah, it, you know, yeah. It's got the, the, the pattern, you know, a very mm -hmm. male, you got the big broad shoulders and here <laughs> you're talking about your feelings. And it's interesting how in society we have said that men don't experience feelings the same as women. And to find out through scientific study that no, they do, they are just not given the same amount of permission to express it. And so I love that even in a time because you're, you're just probably just a little bit younger than I am. Um, that when people were saying you shouldn't worry about that, you're just a guy, just go forward. That you yeah. were leaning into figuring out why do I feel this way and what can I do about it? Yeah. And I'm sure that I could have went a different path and accelerated and did it a lot faster, but I just did whatever I, you know, whatever I knew best I could do at the time. And uh, it took a lot of years and, and over, over, and I, I, I realized that I realized that anxiety, um, that I could handle a lot more than I thought I could. And so I wouldn't get as anxious because at the end of the day, anxiety is just rooted in, in a, a focus on what you don't want, right? Right. On a, on a result that you don't want. And so, you know, my brain would naturally just go to those, gravitate to those things that I didn't want and it would, I'd get worked up and, and whatever else. And so as I kind of was, 
navigated, I got less and less anxious, you know, type of a thing. That then, and, uh, but, you know, I, as far as being an entrepreneur and, and different things like that, you know, you, you read a lot of books that in, in that space where, and, and get a lot of training and kind of like how if, if things aren't going the way that you think they are, it's because you're, you, you're not thinking right, you know, or, <laughs> you, you know, type of thing. Just get Yeah, but it's so funny because we can't think our way around, though there's a grain of truth in it. So that's why we're kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm thinking better. But you can't think your way around certain problems. Yeah. You have to go through them. Yeah, exactly. And and so like, so there was a number of years where it was just kind of, it wasn't, uh, there, there's been struggles at times, but there's, but I never really felt, I, ne I hadn't at that point really felt like I had really kind of broken through. I was still kind of struggling entrepreneur, so to speak. I was doing okay, but not necessarily like thriving you know where you want yeah, to you know, yeah, yeah thriving or feeling like i'm being super successful or anything like that but the truth is if and, you never have those years and lessons that come with being a surviving entrepreneur yeah i mean you you well i i hate that when people are like i just ended up here and i'm like well then why would i pay you for your advice you just got lucky and timed the market or whatever you know i yeah. want to learn from the person who's like yeah, i yeah have struggled, I have learned, I persevered, I kept going. That is a much more valuable mentor to yeah. have in life than someone who's like, I don't know, it just kind of happened because I'm just, <laughs> you know, so brilliant. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. And and, and uh, I spent a lot of years kind of in that space, working on myself, getting better, going, you know, type of a thing. But, and then that's when, and then uh, about five years ago, I, I cut my fingers off, right? I cut some fingers off. And uh, now, do we have our had, fingers back? Did they reattach them? Well, so, so no, not so. Oh, my, you, my, you. my pinky, so no one can see it. So, my pinky on my left hand, my pinky, you know, how your fingers kind of in three, three right. sections. It looks about half uh, the size of the one next yeah, to it. Yeah, I have two, two sections. The top section's gone. Then my index finger is 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 uh is this the middle section of it is wrapped so so what happened is that it, it didn't just like most people think oh i just watched my fingers get cut off no i actually what happened is i was getting close to the end of a of a board and i was oh i need to get another board to be able to so i don't get my fingers caught in the in the thing right right but what I, mistake i made is i stepped back and took my hand off of the saw and when I bent down to grab a thing, my other my hand dropped on top of the, the blade oh, and it oh. cut through. So my pinky finger hit it, hit it first and then it ripped my hand down the back. So mm. so, it, so it skipped over my index finger, skipped <laughs> over my index finger, cut th right through the knuckle of my of my middle finger. But even, the, even though it's, you know, it's there and it was attached, it was dangling. And then my index finger it was all there, but it was really chunked up. It was just mangled, right? Mm. Um, and so what happened is that they were able to repair my middle finger, so I still have that. I don't have full you functionality. You can still flip people off if you need to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I'm, it, you know. <laughs> yeah, valuable tool, right? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm sure you just do that all the time. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So they repaired that, but then my index finger, 
they they had to take the bone from the top and put attach it to the bottom and just really cut out the middle because it was the bone was gone and it was just so mangled so it's wrapped it's wrapped i can but and i and they didn't ever think that i well it kind of looks like a thumb and that was your index finger i mean how it moves that you just got the little end at the top yeah i got the Yeah. yeah i got a so they repaired they totally had to repair that knuckle the knuckle the main wow. knuckle of that finger and uh they actually never you know physical therapy they're always trying to give you uh, expectations right they don't want to give you give you too big of ex- expectations right, right? right so they were they were like kind of saying well i don't know if you're ever going to get to be able to bend that to 90 degrees i can but you do right? yeah yeah i can and same thing with my pinky finger uh they were more, more, um, that the top of that one just got cut off and then they didn't attach it because it, it was like a 50, 50 chance, whether or not it even take, uh, you know, type of thing. So they just decided not to attach it. And you're like, you know, do I get a vote? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and they were just saying, cause even if it did a take, then the amount of physical therapy to get it to work, cause it was just totally cut off. Like the nerves, everything were just totally cut off. Wow. Um, which I cut off the top of my finger and I'm, it's like a centimeter into my finger. And, you know, I, I did it with a really sharp knife cooking, bragging Uh about how I hadn't ever cut myself with my nice knives. That's pride coming before the fall. Right. Anyway. And then I was like, Oh, I should reattach this. And I just pressed down on it. This little Uh teeny centimeter yeah. And I'm a pretty tough girl that gave birth naturally. And I almost <laughs> passed out and I'm yeah. talking about a little teeny centimeter. Um, yeah. And so did you, were you in shock and staying well, so yeah. right? Or yeah. I'm just imagining yeah. the pain of this because of my little teeny centimeter. There's a yeah, lot of nerves I, in our fingers or hands. Definitely. I will say this. I experienced the most pain I've ever experienced in my life. And cutting off my fingers, but it wasn't the cutting of the fingers that gave me the most pain. Uh, Recovering. Yeah. It, uh, so, I mean, shock, shock and adrenaline just immediately came in to where I was like, I wasn't even feeling really anything. Right. I just felt like I got nicked, you know, type of a wow. thing. And yeah. in fact, I yelled to my wife, I, I was like, I was like, Carrie, come out here, you know? And uh, she was you like, I think her? I, no, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, and because I and um, I, I was like, she came out and I was like, I, I think I cut my fingers off. I think I need to go to the emergency room, like in, in like that kind of a voice. Right. I was like, I would uh, kind of like, uh, hey, I think I, I have a problem here. You know, <laughs> like, Maybe. You, I don't know. you know, uh, and you held what, up her hand and then she fainted. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and so she runs in the house and th- gets a thing and. And then I, that's the first time, well, so all the damage was on the outside of my hand and all I ever looked on, looked, was looking at was the inside of my hand, mm-hmm. right? So the, so I didn't really see the extent of the damage. I didn't even know actually my pinky finger was gone. I just knew that my index finger was, was damaged, right? And that my index finger was felt loose. I mean, my middle finger felt loose, but that's it. And so, so she calls 911, I'm laying, and I, and this is where I had the moment, right? is I'm laying on the ground and I start to get kind of mad at myself. Like, why did I do this? This is dumb. Well, you know, the, you know, kind of, and then I just had, it was just, I don't know what happened, but I was just like, Hey, you know what? This happened. And there is nothing that you're going to do to change this. 
Mm-hmm. So you might, you might as well just embrace it. If it means that you can't, it totally changes your life, then it totally changes your life, right? Who know, Who knows? But you just need to embrace this because you cannot do nothing about it. So stop. Like it's done. Yeah, it, yeah, it's done. Yeah. You can't, there's nothing that you can't go back. You can't change it. It happened. And Which it is, is a and tool it, you learn through all that reading about how to manage anxiety is what's real, yeah. what's really happened here, not the imagined like, no, I'm dealing with what's real right now. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so that, that moment was, okay, whatever happens, happens, I'm going to be okay with it. I'm not going to worry about it. It's whatever comes is going to come and, and I'm going to deal with it. And, and, and I had this, and all the doctors were just blown away by how much progress I made and how, how quickly I healed and all this other kind of stuff. And they're like, man, if I could, if I could bottle up you and give it to these other people, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we change that? You know? And, and like, what's different about your mindset that these other people don't have. And I started hearing, you know, once you cut your fingers off, you find out that everybody knows somebody who's cut their fingers off. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, you know, my big gruesome injury, you know, that's yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and so I'd hear these stories that like they're like, "How are you doing?" You know, because I know this guy; he got super depressed, or this lady who did this, and they, it really just they were, you know, they were messed up for a long time, and and I'm sitting there thinking, well, yeah, whatever, you know, it is what it is. I I can only do what I can do, you know, and I was just shocked. I was shocked actually how many people that that something like this completely threw them for a loop into this d- depressive state. And I was just, I was okay with it. Right. Yeah. And, and then that's when I realized that's was the moment where I was like, oh, wow, I'm more, I'm, I'm more mentally tough than I gave myself credit for this. I am, this is, this has worked all this work and everything is, is, you know, has paid off. It's paying off right now, you know, type of a Love type it. of a thing. And it was like I said, that this defining moment that it was, that it was all worth it. All the effort and, and energy and everything that I'd put in was all worth it, you know. And it was shortly after that, that that realization that I gave myself that permission to be mentally tough, right? Because I before I was like, I don't know. I don't know where this is at. And then once I gave myself that permission, all of a sudden, all these things, these great things started happening to me, right? All these doors started opening. I started like, and then I le- then I got the most in- amazing gift of learning, as it relates to anxiety. Not too- shortly after this was that now anxiety became a gift. Now anxiety anxiety was something that was my body telling me that I wasn't focused on what I wanted. And now I oh. and it was it was it was because it was what I because now when I start because uh, at first you know we put these conditions on ourselves right like A has to equal B, right. You know, like a mother, a mother, if she's not putting a, a home cooked meal on the table means equals not being a good mom. Right. So a home cooked meal equals being a good mom. Right. So and then anytime the she's longer and longer, yeah, and longer yeah. of our shaming and expectations of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So if she doesn't, if, if the mom doesn't put a home cooked meal, she feels like she's not a good mom. Well, that's a bunch of bull. That's not true. Right. So for me, my, my A equals B was, well, when I get rid of anxiety and eliminate it from my life, then I'll be healed. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was my expectation or belief. Then I, and then I realized, and so like every time I started to feel anxiety, I started being, oh man, I'm, 
I'm not, I can't, I'm never going to kick this. I'm never going to get healed of this. I'm not, I'd get frustrated and upset at myself, right? Well, once I, once I said, okay, like my hand, I'm just going to embrace this. I'm going to give this anxiety a big bear hug, right? And, you know, and, and just be like, hey, I, I'm embracing this. It's never going away. But what it, what, it, what it is, it's a warning sign for me. It's a good thing. It's a gift that it's my body is. It's your spider sense. Yeah, it's my, exactly. It's a, it's a gift for, for uh, my body telling me that I'm not focused on the things that I want or the outcomes that I want. And okay, so I, really, then, I really love this because anxiety, as you defined it, and as I understand, is you know being worried about the outcomes you don't want. Or once you embrace the anxiety, it was your realization that you were not focused in the moment on what you truly did want. So it was just yeah. this, you know, 180 of what you thought the feeling was. Yeah. And, and so I now love this because whatever your, whatever your curse is in parentheses can be moved to something that can be your strength. You know, the Bible says weak things will become strong. Right. And why, why are we given these different things we have to overcome? Well, maybe it's because it's something we're going to be really have to put some time into learning so we can become awesome at it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it's true. I, I, anxiety has not gone away in my life, but the, the amount of, of anxiousness I feel is like dramatically reduced because as soon as I start to feel it, it's like, oh, okay, I'm not focused on what I want. What is it that I really, what do I want and what am I focused on? Love it. Right. Yeah. And so I, so in a matter, you know, and I have some training in this now with mental programming training where I, where I can easily diagnose myself and get back on track. And within, within, sometimes within minutes, sometimes within 10, 20 minutes, right. I'm right back on, right back on track of like, you know, okay, this is, you know, back on and not feeling those feelings anymore, but it's like this warning sign now to me of, oh, okay, that's what it is. And it's, and it's great. It's a blessing to me now. I love uh, where it. For, for so many years, so many years, it was like this curse that was like, you know, like, oh man, I'm feeling this. Why am I feeling this? I want to get rid of this. I'm trying so hard to get rid of this, you know, type of thing. But it was my focus that I was, that it would, that it, that the elimination of anxiety meant that I was healed. No, healing yeah. was embracing the anxiety. That's what healing really was. I love is, what is you're saying. It. Yeah, I love what you're saying too about you know like the mom who thinks if I if I don't do all these things that I'm not accepted or I'm not a good mom. And I love how you're saying embrace that because that is something there to teach you the real lesson the real gift, the real value of connection, because like in a relationship with yourself, you know, if it's all about what you're producing instead of what you are, yeah, you're not going to see value in yourself, but the production is all outside of you where it's really about what's inside of you and what's happening. Cause if you're a straight A student, but you're up all night freaking out and worrying about if you're good enough, it's not going to be a gift getting that report card. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, you, your focus, you get what you focus on. Right. And, and uh -huh. if you can manage, if you can manage your focus or control your focus, you're going to get far more of the things you want. Uh, but we often don't really recognize it as our focus. Right. I mean, everybody knows people who like 
their life's a mess, right? It's just like drama all the time. There's always, they're always in crisis. They're always in whatever. And then you got people who it just seems like everything they touch turns to gold and everything just works out for them, right? Well, what's the difference between those two people? It's their focus, right? right. Their, and their expectations, you know, that, you know, I have, I have a sister who like her, her life was always in crisis, right? It's, yeah. and, and it's, it's, she's always worried. She's always constantly thinking and worrying about the worst possible scenario that's going to happen, you know, and it, it's, it's crazy. Right. I mean, and it ultimately took her life. Like she ended up committing, committing suicide. Like it, it, it was that, it was that significant. Right. Wow. um, And you know, there's a, a vein of similarity, what was happening chemically, neurologically in her to what was happening to you. But and possibly by how severe that was, you know, that taught you other lessons. Um, I have ADD and I didn't know I had it until, you know, they started diagnosing people with it. And they're like, you you know, you have this, right? And I'd be like, what? So then I went to, you know, a psychiatrist and they're like, rampant. And I have two siblings that struggle with addiction. And that's a very common thing with people with um, ADD. But because of all of that and kind of want to springboard into this, I raised my son when found out that he had Tourette's when he was really young and my husband has it as well. And I knew when I was dating my husband, that there was like a neurological hyper-focus going on and I didn't care what it was. I liked it, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was actually attractive to me because I knew he's going to get his stuff done. Right. Yeah. But I raised my son that whenever he saw people with down syndrome, be like, Oh, that's a superhero. Now, you know, every superhero has their different thing that they teach, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, that they, their different power. Well, people with Down syndrome are superheroes of teaching us how to love. And yeah. so that whenever he would see something that was different in someone, I'd be like, oh, well, that's their superpower. And he was about 14 before he found out that not everybody looked at something like Tourette's as a superpower. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's one of the gifts I was able to give him as a way to focus, you know, using your word this thing that could be viewed as bad as we well, just have to figure out how to work with this superpower. You know, Spider-Man didn't just up on the wall. He had to practice flinging his webs. Yeah. Superman had to figure out how to stop when he was flying. Right. They have to figure out how to yield their power. And that's true with all of us. Yeah. And that's what you did. That was your origin story of working with your superpower. So you mentioned that a whole bunch of things after you got this in line, a whole bunch of just amazing opportunities came. Let's talk about those for a minute. Yeah. I mean, sheesh. Um, That, you know, the thing is, is that that's, you know, when business things really started opening up. Right. Uh, Because I, because I, you know, I think I had this focus or this mindset that I wasn't, you know, another A equals B scenario was, Hey, this anxiety is holding me back from really being successful in business because I feel this way, and it does, you know I can't really perform at a high level because of this anxiety, right? So I had this belief or this expectation that I wasn't going to be successful in business until I eliminated anxiety, right, or got better or healed myself, right? And that was the that was the thing, you know, because when you we mentioned earlier about hey, you just if you think right, you're going to be successful in business, right? <laughs> and 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 so like. So like there's there's a huge culture of that right of in 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 business 
entrepreneurship. It sounds right? so great. You know, the easy button, right? That you just yeah. have to buy the right easy button and life will be easy. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so I, I think the difference was, is that now that anxiety, I embraced it. Now I, I gave, once again, I gave myself this permission to be successful in business, right? This focus. And so, so I, you know, shortly after, well, it was a little bit before this that, um, I was, I had been working with a company. I've been in the financial services industry. I help people create their own banking systems, um, in kind of a niche type of a thing. And so I've been independent having my own agency for years. Uh, but it's always, t it's tied to a group, right? It's always been tied to a third party, like group. like a broker type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that, cause they are the ones that have the contracts and the commissions and whatever. And you just, anyway, you just build your business around that. Well, um, I'd been with a company for 12 years and I decided, and me and a couple other guys decided to leave to help found another company. And, um, and then while I was, and that didn't really work out the way it was supposed to. And we had just decided to start the, the same year that I cut my fingers off was just started to start our own company. Right. And, um, and it was going a little bit slow. It was going a little bit slow, right in the very few first few months. And then it was shortly after that, that I cut my finger off fingers off. And so like that year, that year was really, um, you know, really a tough, a lot of a emotions. Tough, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of things. Business. Yeah. A lot yeah. of things, a lot of things happened, but, but it was that, it was after that, that, you know, everything started coming together, right. And as far as in, in business and knowledge and be, and being an expert and, and meeting people and in networks and in people seeing me as, as someone who they could trust, well, not trust is the wrong word, but seeing me as someone as a, as an expert in the field that they are, that they feel comfortable working with and That's referring trust. people with. And yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. people do business with people they know, like, and trust. I mean, if I know someone and know that they're not great at what they do or going to not going to focus, then yeah. I may like them, but I don't trust them. I mean, that is a necessary element. Yeah, but I guess I, I guess what I was really trying to say is that it's not that people didn't trust me before. It was just a different kind of trust, right? They trusted my expertise versus me as a person, as an individual. Well, and right? you now trusted you more. Yeah. So exactly. we emote what we are. We can yeah. fake it. For, you know, you can't really fake these things in a long-term way, but you emoted... I got this because of all the work you've done. Yeah, exactly. And, and the mirror change, right? If life's a mirror, we, you know, anything, if you look at everything that is happening on your physical world is really a representation of what's happening on the inside, right? Yeah, the mirror, my mirror inside changed. And so it started changing my out external world. Absolutely. You know, and I, and I started to really have a lot more success financially and in business and, and other things as a result of embracing this, this anxiety and give myself permission. Um, and I, I, and it's funny because on this podcast here, I've never really put it in that way of I gave myself permission to be successful. Right. Yeah. But that's ultimately what it was is I, I then once I said, Oh yeah, I, I, I don't need to be healed. I don't need to get rid of anxiety to be able to be successful. That was all, it was like this whole new world opened up to, well, I'm already there, right? I already no, I, have everything. I love it because, you know, um, 
you know, I, we've all heard people who are like, well, it's just the way I am, but staying stuck in that story or that frame of thinking or not being willing to change will keep getting you the same result you've always gotten. Right. And, you know, um, you hear people say, well, I can't, I have anxiety. And I'm like, I mean, the truth is after 2020, and I said this before 2020, like in my speaking as a joke, like if you don't have anxiety, you haven't been paying attention. (laughs) And the audience would laugh. Now it's not as funny because they're all like, "Uh uh-huh. There's, there's going to be with unmet expectations in life about what we're wanting that produces a certain amount of anxiety and not being able to be still creates mental stress on us. You compound that and it becomes some form of anxiety and you just had a heightened sense of it and leaned into the homework assignment Yeah. and giving ourselves permission is recognizing that no, we're not perfect and nor do we need to be in order to show up in our life in an amazing way every day. Yeah. yeah I mean, and, and so even though I haven't really said anything super specific, bottom line is the amazing, there's a lot of little amazing things that started to happen, just little things here and there, you know, that were, that was like, man, that's, you know, that in the past that wouldn't have worked out that way, but it worked out this way kind of miraculously. Right. You know, just these little, little miracles where, and I also, and I also learned that, that I also learned through that is that, by going for what you want, right? Not only change your focus on what you want, but for going, you know, going for what you want, even if you can't really see how it's going to unfold, just the fact that you're going for it and you decide, let me just give you an example. So, so I just moved to South Carolina six months ago and we, we, instead of shipping a car, we just, we just consolidated our two cars and just bought one car one new car that fit our family better anyway, you know, type of a thing. And, um, and so my, my cousin, my cousin's a sales manager at Ken Gar Ford and in American Fork for those in Utah that know what that is, yeah. uh, you know, and, and he, he's helped us in the past and, and we were, we were working with him, but for whatever reason, the, because we are looking for a used car instead of brand new car, and the car that we were looking for in the price range we wanted to look for was over a hundred thousand miles. And you, they, the, the lending just options weren't as good if you, if the cars were over a hundred thousand miles. Right. Okay. And, uh-huh. and, and so we, and so what we were, and it just wasn't really working out. Right. And, and, the, and plus, you know, there's not as huge of a supply of cars these days, you know, because, and, yeah. and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, we were kind of, but we had test drove this, this, uh, we bought a Yukon XL, right? It, it's, uh, and, um, we had test driven this one at a different dealership that we, that when we, we drove it, we were like, man, this is our car. Like we just had the feeling like this is it. This is, yeah, we like this. This is what we want, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, um, but but it was at a different dealership and whatever. And so we're, we weren't going to get a, as good a deal and this, that, and the other. So we were working with my cousin. Well, you know, they were telling us what the payments was going to be and, and everything. And, and, and I just, I got, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to go for what I want. And I don't care about the price. I don't care about what it's going to cost. I don't care what the payment's going to be. I don't care whatever. I'm just going to go for what I want. 
Okay. Right? Because because okay. it was like this. Because I was like, well, do I, man, I don't, do I want to pay this? Do I not want to pay this? Gosh, you know, you, you have all these like questions and am I being financially responsible and this, that, and the other, and what we're moving across the country. We don't really know what, what our expenses are, how things are all going to work out and da, 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 you know, there's all these questions. And I, I finally just was t said to myself, I'm going for what I want, right? I know what right. I want. I'm just going to go for it. It'll all work out. Giving yourself permission. Yeah. Yeah. And so I told them, I said, I don't care what the payment is. I just want the car that I want. Right. Cause they were focused way on the payment and making the payment the way that, you know, this, that, and the other. Right. I was like, I don't care what the payment is. This is the car I want. Go get me the, the yeah, I know where it's at. It's at this dealership. You can get it. You know, that's what I want. Right. Right. Well, I, they, they called the dealership and da, 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 da and, Long story short is that the, the dealership said, no, we won't give it to you. But if they come in right now, we're immediately going to knock three grand off the price. Right. <laughs> well, so so they're right there. We got a discount because any and, and and then when we got there and, and so they had my cousin had already said that they would they needed our cars. Right. They were kind of desperate for the cars. So they're like, we'll buy the cars, your, your trade ins. Right. Right. We'll, right. We'll, we'll, we'll buy them from this other dealership. So you're, you're good there. You're good there. And, um, so I went there, we saved three grand right there. They, they said, well, let's just run, you know, I know you're already approved for this, for, you know, for this, but let's just run it through our system. Maybe something else comes up. Well, it came up and it, the pricing then came out exactly where we wanted it to be. Now it was more than what we were really wanting to pay, but the pri but the, but the payment ended up being right within range of what was reasonable for us, right? Uh-huh. Where, where before it was going to be a little bit unreasonable. Yeah. Right? And, and uh, you know, type of a thing. And so we got it for a cheaper price, better financing, and we got basically double trade-in value than we would have gotten from that dealership because we are we got it from our my cousin, right? Right. Right. Where if oh, you were what? trying to force everything to go in one direction, instead of just being like, I'm open to how this is going to happen. I'm not trying to make it happen a certain way, but I know what the end result's going to be. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. All these details are really to point towards like nothing really worked out the way I thought or I preconceived would work right. out. Like you just said. But as soon as I as soon as I went for what I want and embraced whatever path that was going to take me to get me to what I want, guess what? It all worked out exactly how I wanted, even though and on the surface, it was not working out at all. Yeah, I love right? that because how many times in our lives do we look at things and go, okay, this this isn't happening right. But I talk about the principle of trajectory, that like, you know, what's your trajectory? Where are you going? And if you can see that things are at least trying to go that direction, then how, how everything's working out doesn't matter as much, as long as you're going in that direction. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's, it's, that's just a, that's a simple example that more recent, one of a recent example, but the things like that have happened over the years where, where I, I didn't really see how it was going to happen. Normally, it would have caused me a ton of anxiety. I would have been fearful and whatever else. More but stress like you said, in the situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But instead, I said, hey, I, 
I'm just going to go for it. I don't know. I really don't know what the result's going to be. I don't know how I, I'm, I don't even know if it's going to work out the way I want it to, but I'm going to go for, I'm going to focus and go for what I want. And it's it time and time again, what happens is I end up getting exactly what I wanted anyway. It just didn't happen. It just happens in some roundabout way that I, there's no way I could have planned it in my brain or well, planned it in my mind. The thought that I'm having too, is that when we have anxiety, when we have fear about how things are going to end up, it's very easy to compromise on a lesser solution, right? Yeah, oh, I better take this car because if I don't take this car, then there's going to be no cars, right? Yeah. You know, an unrealistic fear out there. Um, instead of being like, you know what? I'm willing to risk using Uber yeah. until I get the car I want. You know, you're, I'm willing to do something unconventional because really <laughs> we're just giving up on what we really want if we compromise for something less. Like I had a girlfriend, um, love her to death, and um, we were 21 years old and she wrote me this letter because that's what we did back then. You know, we didn't have emails and texts and Facebook. <clears throat> And she's like, I always thought if I did X, Y, and Z, that God would send me this great guy. But he sent, and she said his name. And I'm like, why are you marrying him? <laughs> you know, like, she just thought at 21, she should be married. And so, though they're still married, I just kind of think it, it just has always really bothered me. Because I'm like, you're 21. What if you just held out a little bit longer? Could you have met someone that you didn't feel like was a compromise? And he wasn't, he's not a bad guy, you know? Yeah. And like I said, as far as I know, they're still married, but I just, I would feel sick. And so later when this guy said to me, I just think we should get married. I was like, hmm, it's my friend. He's yeah. wanting to settle for me and I deserve to not be settled for. I deserve that. And people yeah. said to me, oh, well, you're, you know, you're risking not getting married. You're not that good looking. And I'm like, okay, then I'll be single. Hmm. And yeah. I met the right guy for me and it all worked out fairy tale, blah, blah, blah. But if I had been beating up on myself, I could have compromised for the car or the spouse that wasn't the right fit for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, using my wife as an example, you know, I mean, you know how amazing she is and how yeah. dynamic she is and all that kind of stuff. Well, I rem you know, I remember my parents being like, you know, God, you have too high expectations. You know, what do you what do you want? And I said, hey, this is what I want. Right. I want I want someone. I want someone who when they walk into a room, people notice her. Right. For what well, in, in this case, they notice her because she's tall, but she's but also she also has this fantastic smile. And yeah, exactly. She's, and yeah. Yeah. She has that. She has that. And. My parents just kind of laughed at me like, that, you know, that's that's unrealistic. And I was like, OK, fine. That's I don't care. That's what I want. That's one of the things that I wanted. Right. Right. And and here I am, you know, 28 and everyone's kind of, you know, fe feeling like I'm dragging my feet and not whatever. And I've been I've I been in a couple of a girl yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been in a couple close relationships and, and been technically engaged, you know, um, you know, before and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I got what I wanted. And now you, you know, have we... five children. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I love that. 
I love that. And I, I can't remember if I brought you guys dinner once, if it was for a baby or your fingers, but I remember bringing dinner once. (laughs) So, um, what, I didn't know you'd moved to South Carolina. Like here I'm all like your wife's friend and I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What prompted that? Um, you know, just God, I guess, you know, we have no, we have no connection. We have no connection, no family, no like additional business opportunity per se, uh, or anything. We just, uh, about a year ago, we got together and we're like, you know, what's our next move? Like, what are we, what are we doing? You know, what's the next thing to do? And, and I, I had talked to, I had conversations with a few other people that just random conversations that got me really thinking like, man, maybe it just might be a good time to move out of Utah. Like not well, be there. house yeah. prices. I have several yeah. friends, including the producers of this show that um, were like, housing is really expensive. I could like sell my house, make a killing and live anywhere <laughs> except New York and San Francisco. <laughs> well, well ex- exactly. It, and that wasn't totally our, our motivation, really, the, the um, as far as like housing prices and things. And but that was definitely it was a part of it. Like, you know, hey, this is what we want. We can either have that for the X price here in Utah or we could have that for half the price somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever right. the case may be. And and, uh, you know, anyway, uh, this this burning kind of inside of me and we'd had conversations before uh, kind of about potential of, of moving out of Utah and, and stuff like that. My, you know, Carrie's not necessarily from Utah, so she liked the idea of not being in Utah and, and whatever. And, and, uh, you know, you know, so then it just came to a point where, okay, well, what, what are we, what are we going to do? What's the next move? And it, and, and it, we both, and I said, well, what, if, you might, you might laugh at me. I said, but what if we just moved out of Utah? And what if we just like, moved without knowing where we're going? Yeah. Well, I just, well, what if we, that was the the initial conversation was what if we just moved out of Utah? Like what, that would be our next move. You know, that would be the next thing we do. And she thought about for a second and was like, yeah, I think that's the thing we should do. That's what we should do. And so then we started looking and in my mind, I'm thinking, well, where could you get, where could you get the weather of a San Diego, but not live in California? Because who wants to live in California, (laughs) right? Uh Uh, And and so that naturally is like, well, the East Coast is, you know, in and one thing led to another in Charleston, South Carolina, really spoke to us and jumped out at us. And we'd but never been, we had, you know, yeah, we had never been here, knew nothing about it. In fact, we'd already decided to move here before we had ever even come, came here. And, uh, you know, we came out and uh, I had another thing that we were supposed to go to. I was supposed to go to Nashville that didn't work out. And so we decided to take those tickets and come to Charleston, fell in love you know, it was like, yeah, this is the place. And we moved. <laughs> I love so it. Like, I love it. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm kind of struck by this, just moving across the country, the guy that pre finger cutting. Yeah. Would have, there would have been too much unknowns, too much anxiety, oh, too much. Absolutely. I can't, what if, and my, I think my mom had more sleepless nights and anxiety than I did about this move. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Well, yeah. if your family's all here, I'm sure that was hard for her to have her five grandkids moved away. Oh, yeah. I mean, we moved away from family. There's a lot of things like that. I mean, nobody, I mean, on both sides, none of the grandparents were really happy 
per se about the move and whatnot. Um, but we were just like, it, we just feel like we're supposed to, we're supposed to go. We're supposed well, to now they can be. visit you in a really charming, fun place to walk around. Yeah. You can't, you can't beat, you can't beat the weather. I mean, my kids, we got a trampoline for them for Christmas. And the day after Christmas, they were in their swimsuits playing in the water on the trampoline. So you can't beat the, you can't beat uh, the weather. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, pretty awesome. Size. And how many like cold, cold days, like where you need a, a jacket do you have in South Carolina? Well, I mean, um, right now, like today, like this week is probably the coldest week that we've been here. And the, and the highs are in the, are, are like 45 and there's actual frost on the, on the windshield uh-huh. when you, when you, when you come out in your car. I mean, that's, that's cold out here. That's really cold out here. You know, well, for me, I'm still, to... I'm still used to, I'm still used to right. snow and everything being cold. So to me, it's like, yeah, I don't even really need a jacket hardly where other people are like totally in a, you know, people that lived here for a while or in a, a, a big old coat and whatever because they're used to it, but not right. used so to Right, so you're going to have to visit the grandparents enough that you are you keep yourself at that high elevation, yeah. blood thickening. Like when you come yeah. here, you know, run around in shorts so that keeps you hardy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, it's one of these things where, where uh, right now in the wintertime, you're going to have colder days. You're going to have colder days, but it'll turn around and be 70 degrees another day right i mean later this week i think it's supposed to get up to like high almost high 60s sunny you know sometime this week so but today there was it was frost on the windows and below freezing you know in the morning so it's just uh well to bring it back to the whole awesome thing about all of this is by being willing to be open to new adventures you're getting to literally feel more sunny days yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm yeah. trying to like stretch an analogy there, you know, to give yeah, it a, a capstone to our conversation. But um, I really appreciate you, Steve, Stephen, for coming on and being so open and being this big burly guy who's like, yeah, guys have feelings. So if there's other big burly guys out there or ladies, you know, we need to talk to our men about what they're feeling and allow them to express themselves. And they can uh, be even, I know that Carrie pre fingers just, adores you and loves you and that you're a wonderful husband and um it also is just loving you being happier and embracing yeah. that in you as well and that's you know part of a great relationship is that we evolve and hopefully are always learning and and getting better and becoming yeah. more for sure you know and sometimes the best gift we can have is people who expect us to keep evolving right yeah any final thoughts steven about your hotness no you know i mean just at the end of the day you know if you if someone looks at their life as a mirror and can you know take you know we hear this it's a kind of a cliche phrase take 100 percent responsibility for your life right and you know it may be cliche but it's really awesome well it is and i and i don't think i really truly understood what that meant because at first it would kind of tick me off because it was like, hey, I'm not I, the not everything in my life is the way I want it to be. And you tell me that's my fault, you know, type of a yeah. thing. But but if we re- truly embrace this idea that that we, we are 100 percent responsible for our lives and everything is everything is a mirror and then we look inside every you know, if, our, if, if we're frustrated with our spouse, then, hey, look at why. Why am I frustrated with me? 
right? Right. If I don't, you know, if I'm if I'm frustrated with my kids, well, what's frustrated to me? If business isn't going the way it is, well, what's frustrated? You know, what is it about me that's you know this? Um, it'll literally open up the world to you, and you'll be able to live your life in a way that you'll be you'll be living by faith versus fear. Right? Yes. Yes. And and that's ultimately what I what it is is when you go for what you want and you don't really know and you embrace it all, you're living a life of faith versus fear because we too often we allow fears or the things that are unknown the dictate anxiety. our decisions, right. or anxiety or settle for the for somebody for a spouse or settle for this or don't go for what we want because we're afraid. But if we just embraced it and moved forward with faith, we would find that we'd have we get more of what we want out of life. I love it. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Perfect way to end it. Like, go get what you want in life. You're worth it. So, yeah. thank you for being on this episode of Share Your Hotness with Lita Green and my guest today, Stephen Ross. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.